0: There's no greater gift that a parent, that a mom, that a dad could give their child than that parent's own devotion to the Lord, and that parent's desire that their child come to know the Lord. The practice of dedicating babies to the Lord is a practice that finds root in the Word of God. We know that during Jesus' ministry, that moms and dads brought their babies to Jesus to have him lay his hands upon them and bless them. While the disciples rebuked uh, this movement, uh, Jesus uh, rebuked the disciples and in a sense said, knock it off, guys. Allow the babies to come to me, for they are a part of The kingdom of God. We know that Jesus' parents, his mother Mary, his earthly father Joseph, dedicated him to the Lord there at the temple when he was just a little bit uh, more than a month old. And their devotion, their love for God and dedicating their son to the Lord is an example. It's an inspiration to each of us as we gather here This morning, because it presents to us and just reminds us that the best place that we can get our child is in the presence of the Lord. Can somebody say amen? It reminds us that the greatest gift that we could give our child is the passionate desire to put them in all the right places so that in God's time they may come to know the Lord this morning we're going to be looking at that passage where Jesus' parents dedicated him to the Lord. Uh, We're going to be looking this morning through the example of Mary, and we're going to be looking through the example of Joseph, that they were imperfect parents who were committed to following a perfect God. They were imperfect parents, but they were committed to following a perfect God. And no parent is perfect. Can all the parents say amen? No parent is perfect. No father, no mother is perfect. But our errors in life or our errors in parenting can certainly be minimized when we as imperfect people will commit to following in the footsteps of a perfect God. If you have a Bible with you this morning, turn with me if you would to the Gospel of Luke chapter 2. The Gospel of Luke chapter 2. In the Gospel of Luke chapter 2, we we see a very familiar passage in verses 1 up through 20. This is the birth of Christ. It's a Christmas narrative. We tend to read this, study this, proclaim this during Christmas time. But so many times we... We leave off at verse 20 of this passage, and we don't go further. And this morning, we're going to go further. Our text this morning is going to be Luke chapter 2 and verses 21 through 24, as each of us just commit to being the role model that God wants us to be in the lives of the little ones who are looking up to us. Luke chapter 2 and verse 21 The Bible says, and this is after Jesus' birth, the Bible says that on the eighth day, when it was time to circumcise the child, he was named Jesus, the name the angel had given him before he was conceived. When the time came for the purification rites required by the law of Moses, Joseph and Mary took him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord As it is written in the law of the Lord, every firstborn male is to be consecrated to the Lord and to offer a sacrifice in keeping with what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of doves or two young pigeons. Now, Church, in the next few moments that we have this morning, we are going to, again, hopefully be inspired by the example of Mary and Joseph in their love for their son, in their love for the Lord. Mary and Joseph are incredible examples, again, of imperfect parents who even from a very, very young age in Jesus' life as a baby wanted to raise Him in the Lord, wanted to make sure that that they did everything they could to, to put Him in the presence of His Father. Mary and Joseph are great examples of those who were committed to the revelation of God. They were committed to the will of God. They were committed to the Word of God. If you'll look with me in your Bible or on the screen, in verse 21, we see that Jesus' parents obeyed the law, first of all, by having their child circumcised when he was eight days old. Now, this was the sign and the seal of the covenant that God had made with Abraham. And it was required of every Jewish male who wanted to practice the faith. Every Jewish boy was circumcised and named on the eighth day after birth, according to Leviticus chapter 12. the Circumcision symbolized the Jews' separation from the Gentiles, from the world, and their unique relationship with God. And Joseph and Mary say, we want to... Follow the law of God as it's been revealed to us in the Word of God. They were obedient in the name that they gave Jesus. Look with me in verse 21. In verse 21, we see that he was named Jesus, which means Jehovah is salvation. This is the name that the angel in Matthew chapter 1 uh, told Joseph. Mary, it was revealed that his name would be Jesus. These ceremonies that they participated in here, the dedication of Christ, the purification of a new mother. Look at verse 22. We see this was required by the law of Moses. This purification ceremony would cleanse the woman who had given birth so that she could then enter the temple again in worship. The Word of God prescribed 40 days of that rite after the birth of a male and a little bit longer after the birth of a female. Later on, we see that Jesus is dedicated to the Lord as the firstborn male in the family. And we're going to look at that a little bit further in detail here in a moment. But what I want you to see, church, is the devotion of Mary and Joseph. That they they didn't say well, our, our child is really way too young to to get the importance of the temple. They're way too young to understand the Word of God. They're way too young for us to feel like they've got to be in the presence of the Lord. The Word of God called parents to get their child, to get their baby in the presence of the Lord at a very young age. And Mary and Joseph did that. And they were an incredible example They were an incredible influence of imperfect parents who were surrendered to a perfect God, who wanted to be devoted to the Word of God and raise their child in the Word of God from a very young age. When it comes to the influence that godly parents have on their children's life, there's nothing else that comes close. Studies after study after study shows that a a, a mother or a father that's living out their faith in the home, even if they're imperfect, which we're all going to be, can have a dramatic impact on their child. Mothers, today we want to thank you for the impact that you've made upon our spiritual life, for the godly influence you've been as you submitted yourself and surrendered yourself to the Word of God. Thankful for all the many things mothers have taught us. Somebody has come up with a list of all of the things that mothers have taught us over the years. It's amazing when you think about it, all the many different things that mothers have taught us uh, a number of sayings of mothers was put together and compiled years ago and some of these may be fami- you may be familiar with in fact how many of you by raise of hands had a mother that said things to you when you were a child that when you think about today you just kind of chuckle let me see your hands if you kind of chuckle that things your mother i know i know yeah i see some of you laughing and maybe maybe poking a mother while you're at it especially mother my my mother's generation and then above that had some incredible sayings that taught us a a, a whole lot about a whole lot of things. And somebody's compiled some of these things. You tell me if you've ever heard some of these before. Uh, Mothers taught us about religion, about prayer. You better pray that comes out of the carpet. (laughs) Mothers taught us about time travel. If you don't straighten up, I'll knock you into the middle of next week. (laughs) Mothers teach us about contradictions. Close your mouth and eat your dinner. (laughs) Mothers teach us about perseverance. You're going to sit there until you eat every last piece of that broccoli or green beans or you fill in the blanks, right? Mothers taught us about weather. Looks like a tornado swept through your room, son. <laughs> mothers taught us about doing the impossible. Anybody ever hear your mom say this? Doing the impossible. If you break your legs on that thing, don't come running to me. <laughs> My mother taught me reason because I said so. Amen? <laughs> mothers teach us about irony. huh? Our mothers teach us about irony. You keep crying and I'll give you something to cry about, huh? How many of you heard that growing up, huh? Mothers taught us about the circle of life. I brought you into this world and I can take you out, yeah. Uh, Mothers, finally mothers taught us about wisdom. When you get to be my age, all of this will make sense to you. Thank God for our mothers. Someone has said that mothers write on the hearts of their children what the cruel, cold world cannot erase. Abraham Lincoln said that as an adult, he could still hear his mother's prayers. He could still hear his mother reading the Word of God to him in his heart. And in his mind, even when he was a grown man, mothers, we thank God for you. Parents who love the Lord, who live, although imperfect, who live for the Lord in the home. We thank you for what you're teaching us. Thank you for the influence you've had on our life. Mary and Joseph lived an example. They inspire us today of imperfect parents who were following a perfect God and getting Jesus into the presence of his father, even at a very early age. I want you to notice something else about Mary and Joseph that's inspiring this morning, and that is Mary and Joseph are an incredible example of parents who surrendered their child into the hands of the Lord. The dedication ceremony that we see here in this passage has an interesting history We learn from the book of Numbers that because God spared the firstborn of Israel in the exodus out of Egypt, that he claimed every firstborn male in Israel's family as belonging especially to himself. Even after the Levites who took the place of service among all firstborn males, it still appears that the dedication of the firstborn male was considered special in God's eyes. And that's what Mary and Joseph are doing here with Jesus. He is dedicated to the Lord. And part of the dedication ceremony was that parents would offer their child to God. They would say, God, our child is yours. And then they would redeem or they would buy back their child for five shekels and they would take their child home. Their child would not remain in the temple. They would take their child home with the promise, Now, Lord, I've given you my child. I buy him back now, but I promise to, since I've given you my child, I promise to raise my child in a way that is pleasing to you. Our dedication ceremony this morning, what an incredibly special time it is. And what are our families saying when they dedicate a baby? Well, the the dedication of a baby, church, you know this. The dedication of a baby by a family, by parents, is really so much more about the parents and their commitment to the Lord than it is the child or the baby. It's about a parent standing before God and saying, God, with your help and God, with the help of the church, I'll do everything I can to raise my child in the Lord. I surrender my child to you. And so much more of the power of a baby dedication is not found in what we do in the life of our child this morning, but what we do in the life of our child tomorrow morning and the next morning and the next morning and the next morning. You see, we're promising that, God, we recognize this child as a gift from you. And we give this child to you and we want to raise them in a way that is pleasing to you. One thing about our children as we surrender them to the Lord, what we're doing is we're trusting God with our child. We're saying, Lord, I recognize that that my child belongs to you and I want your will to be done in their life. Their life may not go in all the exact directions I want it to go, but Lord, as long as it goes in the direction you would have it to go, that's what matters most to me. How many of you know that our children may not go into the career that we want them to? And that's okay. Our our children may not wind up living where we want them to live. And that's okay as long as they're in the will and the plan of God. Our children may not root for our favorite team. And that's kind of okay, amen? (laughs) That's kind of okay. But as long as my child is in the will of God, I surrender them to God and all that matters is that they know the Lord and they're in His plan for their life. Our kids don't always do what we want them to do. Uh, Here's a great example, one that you've heard me share before, but it's certainly one of those illustrations I think bears repeating. It's about a mother who was riding down the road with her preschool daughter, her four-year-old daughter, and mom was a medical doctor, and she just so wanted her little girl to follow in her footsteps and be a medical doctor as well. Or they were on the way to preschool one day and mom had left her stethoscope in the back seat and her little girl had picked it up and she was playing with that stethoscope and she picked the earpiece up to her ears and she picked up the instrument that you, you put on your heart and she raised that up to her mouth and mom is looking in that rear view mirror and seeing all this going on and she says to her heart, be still my heart My daughter wants to be a medical doctor just like me. And in that moment, she heard with that instrument up to her daughter's mouth, her daughter say, welcome to McDonald's, can I take your order? (laughs) Church, surrendering our child to the Lord means that we trust God with our child. And in so many ways, our child may not go exactly where we want them to go in life. But as long, again, can I say this again? As long as they're in the will of God, as long as they know the Lord, as long as they're following the Lord, it's okay. Last thing that I want us to take a look at here in this passage, where we're inspired, I think, and encouraged by Mary and Joseph as is in the sacrifice that was brought to the Lord during this dedication. One of the things that we see, if you'll look in your Bible here, as they come to dedicate the Lord, verse 24, we see that they offer a sacrifice in keeping with what is said in the law of the Lord. A pair of doves or two young pigeons. So so what they brought, that, that's what they brought, was that option. Well, if you look back at Leviticus they really bring what's, what's considered an incomplete offering, but it was allowed in a certain case. In fact, can we put Leviticus chapter 12 up on the screen? Let's look back in the Old Testament, the Old Covenant, where, where we see what was called of Mary in this moment of dedication. This is after a woman gives birth to a child. Look at this church. When the days of her purification for a son or daughter are over, she is to bring to the priest at the entrance to the tent of meeting a year-old lamb for a burn offering and a young pigeon or a dove for sin offering. He shall offer them, the priest shall offer them before the Lord to make atonement for her, and then she will be ceremonially clean from her flow of blood. These are the regulations for the woman who gives birth to a boy or a girl. Notice this verse 8 of your Bible. But if she cannot afford a lamb, if she cannot afford a lamb, she is to bring two doves or two young pigeons, one for a burnt offering and the other for a sin offering. In this way, the priest will make atonement for her and she will be clean. Church, are you putting the pieces together about the kind of home that Jesus grew up in? He grew up in a middle-class to poor family because Mary was not even able to afford a lamb to bring into this ceremony. Many Bible commentators point out the fact that this shows that Mary and Joseph were of a middle-class to poor family. I like what some preachers point out and what some commentators point out. Isn't it precious? Isn't it powerful this morning, church, that the mother and father who were not wealthy enough to be able to buy a lamb still found a way to bring a lamb to that ceremony? For it was John the Baptist who said of Jesus when he met him and introduced him in his uh, public ministry, Behold, here is Jesus, the Lamb of God, who takes away the sin of the world. When it came time for God to enter into the world, think about this, when it came time for God to enter into the world through the person of Christ, it was not most important that He be born into a wealthy family. It was not most important that He would have everything money could buy. It was not, not, not most important that Jesus would grow up in a mansion. Not most important that Jesus would drive the finest camel in town. Amen. That was not most important. What was most important when God says, I'm going to visit the world, is this. That he was given to an earthly set of godly parents who love the Lord and love their child. And that is still the greatest gift you can give your child. There are many gifts that we just won't be able to give our child We certainly can't give our child the gift of being a perfect parent. Can every parent say amen again? Can't give my child the the gift of being a a perfect parent. I'm not going to be able to give my children everything that money can buy. Contrary to what Disney tells me, I'm already finding out I can't always make my kids' dreams come true. Amen? But I can, with God's help, I can provide a godly home. We can be parents, imperfect parents, who love the Lord and who are committed to putting our child in every place we can so they can hear the Word of God, so that they can come to know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. And so with God's help, they can follow Him all the days of their lives. And parents, that's the greatest gift you can give your child. Now, by the way, I think you know this. We humble ourselves before the Lord when we do this because none of us have the power to save the soul of our child. Amen? None of us can save the soul of our child. But we pray and we plead and we ask the Lord, God, as I I commit to bringing my child into your presence, Lord, as I I commit to doing the best I can to, to get my child in the presence of Jesus, Lord, with your with your power and with your might and salvation. Lord, I, I just humbly ask, save my child, because I know that's the most important gift that my child can receive. And parents, that needs to be our greatest passion for our child, is that they know the Lord. My my greatest desire for my children is that they know the Lord. It, it's it's more important than any it's more important than anything else. I'm not saying other things aren't important. I'm just saying that that my child come to know the Lord and that I'm doing all I can in an earthly sense to help my child come to know the Lord. It's the greatest gift that I can give my child. Eternity. Eternity is a word we ought to place alongside the rearing of our children. Eternity. We're preparing them for eternity. We're helping them to live for eternity here on earth. And it's much more important than, than even their, their career or their education or, or that they get that sports scholarship. And, and i tell you what breaks my heart, and I'm not, I'm not against sports. I've played sports all of my life. Every one of my kids are involved in some sports. But what breaks my heart as a pastor in America is to see how wildly popular kids' sports are in our world while church attendance continues to decline. And I'm not preaching against sports. I love sports. The game of basketball uh, was, was my life for so long. But how many of you know, those of you that are a little bit up in years, how many of you know that basketball is just not as good to you as it used to be as you start to get older? Can I get an amen in the house this morning? And at my age, my, my, my friends, my knees and my back, basketball doesn't mean much to me anymore, but Jesus means all the world to me. And we want to make sure that we do all that we can to make sure our greatest passion in our child's life is that we do everything we can to put them in all the right places where they may come to know the Lord as their personal Lord and Savior. That's the greatest gift that we could give our children. tell you, Jesus had incredible, as we close, Jesus had incredible parents. Mary, I love these words in John chapter 19. Mary was with Jesus and by Jesus' side all the way to the end. I, I love John 19 and 25. It simply says this, Near the cross of Jesus stood his mother. Don't you love that church? John chapter 19 and 25. Near the cross of Jesus stood his mother. Mothers, we thank you. Thank you for your commitment to the Lord. We thank you for your love. We thank you for all your many sacrifices and for the influence that you've had upon our Lives. Would you give our mothers a hand clap of appreciation again today? <clears throat> Outside a church in Kansas, there can be seen on a concrete sidewalk leading to the steps of the front door of a little church, the footprints of two baby feet with the toes pointing towards the church steps. The story is that 20 years ago, when the sidewalk was being laid, a single mother who was just given it all she had to raise her children in Christ asked for permission to stand her baby boy on the wet cement and make footprints leading into the church. Well, the permission was granted from the church leadership, and those footprints are plainly seen today leading forward and towards the steps and and into the church a testament to a mother's love and spiritual devotion a woman who simply wanted to get her child's feet pointed in the right direction right off the bat what a beautiful picture for us this morning we thank god for our mothers we thank god for their love But I think every mother in the house today would even admit to this. Their love is a mere reflection of a greater love. And that's the love of Jesus Christ. For the Bible teaches that God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Our greatest desire for you today is that you know that love The love of God for you demonstrated on Calvary's cross and His power through the empty tomb and the resurrection. And what a great day today to be the day of salvation in your life if you don't know the Lord as your personal Lord and Savior. You might be the answer to a mama's prayer this morning that's been praying for you to come to know the Lord for a long, long time. Let's pray. God, we thank you so much for this time to be together and to get into your word, to celebrate our mothers, to dedicate these children. Lord, thank you for your love. Lord, thank you so much that you've demonstrated your love through Calvary's cross. Lord, thank you that we can be forgiven of sins. Know you're our Savior and our Lord. Know that heaven is our home through believing and trusting in Christ. Lord, I ask that you'd call the lost to you this morning, the cold in their faith. May this be a day of recommitment, a day of rededication of their faith. Lord, we thank you for the love of our mothers, and yet we realize that they are and would admit they're a mere reflection of the greatest love this world's ever known, and that's the love of Christ. Lord, bless our time of invitation now. Move upon hearts. Bring us to the point of faith. It's in Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said,